0: Well, hello, everybody. It's another exciting Lords of Computing podcast where uh, Matt and I talk with people out there who are working in uh, IT organizations to, you know, to use the marketing term, transform around how how they're doing things. But more interestingly, have, have fun stories about uh, getting those wacky computers to do fun, interesting things. How's it been going for you, Matt?
1: It's been going, man. We've been, uh, you know, making some good progress uh, over on our side and kind of seeing uh, some transformation come to light. As you know, uh, when you're trying to work against the machine, uh, any small amount of progress is is worth celebrating. Uh, so <laughs> That's it's right. Been, it's been really good, but uh, really excited about today's podcast, actually, and, and who we're going to be talking with and getting their perspective on um you know, the, the transformation, uh, because I think there's a lot of parallels between, you know, what, what we're experiencing here over at Allstate. So I'll, I'll let you make that introduction, but I think, um, yeah, it, we got something special in store today.
0: Well, special guest, how about you introduce yourself?
2: So, hi, I'm Diego Lapidus. I'm the platform lead at at a- which is a part of the General Services Administration. Uh, we work, a- as a digital consultancy inside the government for the government, um, and you know we're talking about federal United States government, just in case. Um, and what I do there is basically help um, change the way that government does DevOps, um, and that's why I'm here. And and so
0: uh, well, gi- give give us an idea of how 18F came about. Like what what. Uh... What's, I don't know what you call it in government language, but what's like the charter or, or the, uh, the purpose or the mission or whatever? Like what, what problems are you guys trying to solve or services provide?
2: Sure. So I don't know if you noticed, but you know, government technology is, is unusually great. great. Uh, and, um, there was this program that was created, um, I I think three years ago, that it's called the Presidential Innovations Fellowship, which um, invited people from the private sector to go in into government for to do a tour of duty and change the ways of government technology. Um, and then a group of those uh, fellows um, decided to build a more permanent station to for change, right? And that's what ATF is. It's um, a stronghold inside the government to change the way things work. Um, we want to, the, our, our charter is basically um, make the way that um, government buys and builds technic- digital services better. So that's mm. what we do. Right.
0: And, and is that like, uh, is that the normal way governments go do, the government does stuff? Like, like to to create a team that's kind of, or or a group that's gonna go out and change things, or like how, uh, like like this is almost a meta question, but like, is there a process for changing how things are done, (laughs) or or do you just have Uh to kind of figure that out?
2: You you pretty much have to figure it out. Um, like a lot of government agencies and a, a lot of teams inside the government agencies are there for a very long time. And the processes are usually pretty long and not very compatible with what we think about technology. Um, So building a lot of the things that we're doing takes a lot of bureaucracy hacking. Um, And that's one of the interesting things about ATNF2 is like we are not only doing technology but also basically legal hacking. Uh, we make sure that we you know, comply with the laws, but we comply with the laws in a way that works for us.
1: That's awesome. I think um, you know, we see a lot of that uh, over here on this side uh, with, uh, within Allstate as well. You know, we're a company that's been around for 80 years, fairly large, obviously nowhere near the size of the United States government. But I think probably if we look demographically, um, there are a lot of parallels and similarities Have you found that part of the challenge there is uh, there's a viewpoint that technology isn't really special and that they generically need to be treated just like everybody else? Or is it um, just people are entrenched in their ways of doing things and they have their process and the only way to engage anybody is through that well-defined, very formal process? What do you think is kind of the big uh, challenge or... Or opportunity there that that you guys used to, to your advantage to kind of move the needle on on that stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, I think that the biggest problem with government processes um, is around hiring, right? Um, most technology people, you know, if you're somewhat good, you don't have that many issues finding a job, right? And you're not going to want to go through, you know, a year worth of interviews and paperwork and whatever just to get a, you know, a job in, in the government. So a lot of what we did was try to improve the process of bringing people in. And in that sense, I think that, it, you know, technology is a bit different. Uh, the, the way that we um, need to review candidates, the way that we need to hire people, it's a bit different than what government is used to, um, so that that was that that is, is still definitely a challenge, and we are very fortunate that we were able to hire. I mean, like we are like 150 now, and I think that we have a very talented team. We are pretty fortunate about that, but um, you, you you need you need to do a lot of hacking to to get to that point.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I was talking with some uh, federal government CIOs recently, and they they uh, after I'd given a little talk, they they asked that question, sort of like, so what would it take to get someone like you to come, you know, move to Washington and work for the government? And it uh, luckily I had an answer for them because I had talked with you about this topic. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, but it 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 does seem like the uh, th- there there is a, a very altruistic motivation of of being able to affect great change that's, that's helpful for people, which, uh, you know, when I've seen people discuss this topic before, that seems to be, I don't know, you tell me, but that, that seems to be the number one reason people might decide to work for the government in it versus whatever else. I mean, I'm sure there's other things that come into play, but it seems like you're, you're actually, you're not necessarily just pursuing profit or, or things like that, but there's this reason outside of pay and things like this that, that would motivate you, in addition to probably good overall compensation, uh, you know, in various forms.
2: Well, I and mean, if you're motivated by compensation, then you're out of luck in government. Um, I mean, um, the, the salaries are not terrible, but, um, you know, if, if you work in San Francisco or uh, New York, you can get pretty much um, a lot more, right? Uh, You definitely need to be motivated by the impact of what uh, you're doing. And I think that, you know, if you you go through the process, even though that it's a very streamlined one, you you still need to be uh, passionate about the problems and helping your country. Because, um, yeah, otherwise it is pretty hard.
0: Yeah. And, and, to shift from, to, to, to go back to a question Matt was asking, which I think is now, now I have an interesting framing to put it in. So the personal motivation, right? Like we, we were just discussing why someone might do it. And, and there's almost this to rephrase a question, the question Matt asked, like, so when you're working with other agencies and parts of the government, how do you like motivate them <laughs> to <laughs> want to do things in a new way? Right? Like, 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 I've found in the past, uh, often one of like, there's an interesting new technology to use or or new opportunity to take advantage of and getting the team to understand how to do it and be able to do it is, it can be difficult, right? But you sort of learn the tricks and you learn the things. And then your next challenge in a large organization is to first let the rest of the large organization, uh, ignore or, or, or not kill you (laughs) to (laughs) let you survive. And then, what you want to do is to get them, e- the rest of the organization, equally excited about what you're doing, and start to help you out and join it. So how, and and since you guys are a service bureau, uh, you know, essentially, how can can you tell us a little bit about like that dynamic of convincing the rest of the government that this is a, a helpful, good way to uh, start working on their their software projects?
2: Sure, I mean that is definitely a problem, right? Um, we go in into agencies and. Um, we are very, you know, loud and in general, like how we say things and, you know, that we say we want to do agile, we want to do uh, new things and, uh, you come into an agency that has has been doing things uh, on their own for so long and you don't want to come in and say, Hey, you have to change everything on, on one sweep, right? I mean, you want, you want. They they are our partners. Now we work together. We are all part of the same you know broad team, Uh, and we want them to be on board. And what we always say is that delivery is the strategy. And the thing is like when other agencies look at the successes that we had uh, and how projects are delivered you know, in f- a lot of faster timelines and uh, with a, a sm- smaller budgets, um, and, and it works, then that's our best way in basically. Um, there's still some friction sometimes, but, um, it, it is, you know, it's part of the process of changing how things work. Um, I mean, like, like, like one of, one of the, the things that, you know, we're doing is um, building a lot of innovation around security and deployment, and that's where we find the most resistance, but the cool thing is, like, because it is such a pain point, uh, people are willing to try new things. So, I think that that's... That's super important, right? We, ne- we need to hear what the pain points are to be able to help.
0: So it's, 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 it sounds like maybe, and, and tell me if, if you found this in your experience as well, Matt, but it sounds like uh, the first step is hide out and and make something that where you can demonstrate success. <laughs> like sort of demonstrate that what, what you're doing works. Because the best way to persuade the rest of the organization is... To already be successful, I mean that's that's a silly way of putting it, but to sort of prove that the way you're doing things uh, works well, instead of kind of mandating that there's this new way of doing things and just trust me, it'll work.
1: Yeah, I think Diego hit on a couple of really important ones that we've noticed. One is building some empathy between the teams, and um, you know either the eighteen F team or or within Allstate our own team, where we're kind of get people on the same team because usually they're proud of their own accomplishments and set a common goal that we're going to go make something better, improve a process or deliver faster. Um, And the other side is building credibility, which uh, he hit on a bit, which sounds like he's starting to get momentum and credibility. And of course, that's huge. Um, One question I wanted to ask him, though, is uh, one thing we've seen over here a little bit is, you know, people see you doing this, people see the publicity and the attention. And they kind of then decide that they want to go do Agile on their own or kind of their own way. Have you guys seen any of that at all where like other agencies start basically competing with your services or actually decide that they have a better way to kind of do Agile on their own? Um, and then that often manifests itself in like Agile Scrum Fall or uh, whatever we call it these days is like partially adopted Agile.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, Agile in particular, right, is embedded in all the agencies in some shape or form, right? Um, it, I mean, you know, DevOps too, right? Like, everyone is saying they do DevOps, but um, the definition is super broad. So, I mean, it's not really competition, but it's like you know, the, the problem becomes when when they do come in and they do talk to you and they are like, yeah, we do agile, we do those, we do um, user, um, you know, we, we put the user needs first. Um, then they say, well, we tried that and it didn't work, right? And we are like, well, but how do you really try it? Um, but, but let's make sure that we're on the same page about how, what works and what what doesn't, of this, and um, let's make the most out of it.
0: Yeah, it's sort of the, uh, it's hard to tell someone their baby's ugly problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And everybody's criteria for success, at least initially, is different. And so, you yeah. know, how do you guys deal with that? Like, do you start to kind of set some baseline or standard as to, Okay, this is actually how we decide whether this process is successful or not, and we have a good track record of it being successful. How do you think? How do you guys think about that problem within eighteen F?
2: Yeah, so basically, I think that the 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 way that we 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 say that a a project was successful is whether our customer is happy, right, and whether the user is happy. Um, we, we put in user metrics, uh, for the end projects when, when we launch them and we have a lot of analytics now that weren't in place before. Uh, and you know, it's always about measuring and iterating. And, and one of the things that we keep saying is like, you know, software is not all done. I mean, you need to keep iterating on it. And there's no like, you know, mission accomplished banner that we can put in the back and say, you know, this this is all good. So um the, the, the thing that we strive for is like making sure that our partners are happy with our work and the the users' needs are met. So, you know, whether it is um better than accessing the records or it is um uh, kids going to national parks. Uh, it's you know it, it's about those users getting what they need.
0: And, and on, on that end, I mean, you kind of alluded to two uh, or pointed to two examples there. I mean, can you can you walk us through like a, a, a few projects uh, that? Uh you know, it would be interesting to hear a project that you guys did early on where you're kind of working out the kinks and figuring things out. And then also a project that you might be doing now where no doubt there's new kinks, but where you've kind of built on your success and learning and, sure. and, and to kind of uh, sort those out. But like, um, I mean, you, it, it's in. To, to preempt a little bit, like I, I, I remember browsing through a lot of, you guys open source a lot, or you try to open source all of what you do, and I remember browsing through the projects, and there's a wide variety of things that, that you could pick from. But it'd be good to hear what some of those types of projects are that agencies have brought to you and that, that you guys have worked
2: on. Sure. I mean, one of the cool things about eighteen f is that we get to work in a lot of different projects. And as you said, everything is open source, and everyone can go to you know GitHub and see all our different projects. Uh, and some of the, like the, the, the earlier ones, um, are s- simple, you know, projects. Like I think that, that one of the first one, it was a website for the white house to promote, um, um, to, to it's called not alone. And, and it's not alone. Um, it's to help, um, uh, you know, students, um, and, uh, I think, kids in high school um, to um, n- not feel discriminated and, you know, if, if they're bullied or uh, for their sexual orientation or their um, background, then, uh, you know, f- know that they have options. Um, one of the latest one that we did was a the, the college scorecard. Um, it is a tool for... Yeah, uh, also students. You go into um, uh, the website, and there's also an API uh, to get information about how the, um, the, 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 the their colleges rank against other um, other colleges, you know, the, the colleges that they right. want to apply. Right. And so instead
0: like, of relying only on that Newsweek
2: thing or whatever, <laughs> right? And, and and you you not only get like. The prices, uh, you know, for the tuition, but you also get stuff like what's the, your actual expected cost at the end of the um, the stay in the college, and uh, whether you know people get jobs when when they leave and that kind of stuff. Um, and, in, and and uh, regarding kinks, right? I mean, when we first uh, Launch not alone. There were issues all over, right? I mean, and this is like a super simple website, and in you know, I'm talking about like technical issues, um, right? Um, the technical uncompliance, compliance um, because the way that government is used to um, deploying um, and approving websites is very complicated it's complex and uh and there's like a lot of paperwork and there's a lot of um uh, approvals i need to get done and and you know it was pretty much our first stab at it um
0: and, and this is it, you you were at a a cloud foundry summit this year and and this is kind of like the paperwork <laughs> i think you literally had a slide that had a big picture of paperwork on it and like what is uh like what is all that stuff just to give people a sense of it, like sure, what is in that uh, paperwork?
2: so so there, there are a couple different things. like one of the biggest one ones is like you need to submit what's called a system security plan and uh, that says who's going to be able to access your system, what sort of you know network topology does your system have? Uh, where is the system gonna be hosted, and how do you comply with i don't know how many controls uh that your system needs to comply with um and then you end up with like you know a hundred hundred fifty pages of a document that um makes literally no sense um <laughs> so um, right. you know,
0: it sounds like a mortgage application.
2: <laughs> oh, it's, it's definitely worse. <laughs> like I need a mortgage application, and I used to work on the, the team that is trying to revamp it. But um, yeah, they did this this is a mess.
0: Um, yeah, no, you're right. There is like I, I remember encountering those sheets in in the stack of mortgage stuff yeah. that were oddly well that were I think they were from the government and they were kind of the most friendly sheets in the whole packet like the rest were from banks and other entities and and things like that but but the government ones were generally like here's exactly what we're spelling out and they, they would spell things out clearly but you know the, the the mortgage document as a whole is sort of like i always think it's like a uh it's a complete history of everything that's ever gone wrong in buying real estate <laughs> <laughs> like it is well documented in those pages
2: yeah um so yeah i mean and, and like you know we we are trying to launch a, a new product, and for example, if you wanted a domain name, which you know you would think that the domain name is like a simple thing to get, uh, but even that requires I don't know how, I think it requires like the approval of the head of the agency, and the approval of the CEO of the agency, and then you need to submit it somewhere. It, it is like you know m- months to get a domain name, so. Um, we we are trying to change all of that. Do you do you have a feel for roughly how
1: many approvers are required to complete that document or that set of documents? How many people? Yeah, like how um, many people have to review and sign off some portion of that of of that set of documentation?
2: I would say you know between ten and twenty people. Um, and does anybody
1: hopefully. actually read the whole thing? No,
2: no. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 would hope so, right? I mean, um, I, I, I definitely focus on the, the stuff that I, I care about, and in some cases, I had to write pretty much the whole thing, uh, but, um, yeah, it, I, I, I would doubt that everyone not only reads but understands the whole thing, right? Because right. Um most of this system security plan is a very technical document so there's probably people that don't really get like all of it right
0: so so then g- given uh that amount of delightful paperwork <laughs> and, and 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 the time that the time that you have to um, go through to, to get it approved like how did you, you know, part of the promise of what you guys do is is speed. Not for the sake of it being cool, but like it shouldn't take this long type of speed. <laughs> like like how, how have you guys figured out how to work around that or speed that up or, or deal with, with that, that long chain of approvals and paperwork and such?
2: Sure. So like we realized this early on that th- this is a huge problem, right? Uh, and so what we started doing was let that- the first thing that we did is making a like standard image that would take care for a lot of the controls, right? Um, so we did this image, and um, that allowed us uh, to do a lot of a lot that a lot of the paper would be like standard. Uh, so we would just copy paste it. Whole, like ninety percent of the document, that we just only change like ten percent, um, and that would that allowed us to reduce the time to like instead of doing it in like nine months, it would be like two or three, uh, which you know a huge improvement. Um, but you know still not great. Um, then one of the things that we did was okay, let's move to configuration management and have. A lot of more standard procedures around this. And that helps us, to, helps us a bit. And um, what we're doing now is building a platform where we can deploy uh, a lot of applications and the compliance pretty much is taken care of by the platform itself. Um, and that that was my presentation in the summit, right? Um, about how we're doing, uh, um, you know, the from a service that pretty much will take care of a lot of the compliance issues.
0: And, and, and so, so, so like to to summarize that to kind of ask a question in a statement kind of way, yeah. it, it, it's, it seems like with the um, approval process, what it's seeking out is essentially trusting <laughs> what, what you're going <laughs> to do. And so if you can kind of like get the process to anthropomorphize it, to trust, a major part of things that you do repeatedly over again. The compromise, I guess you have to make, mm-hmm. I don't know if you'd look at it as a compromise, but like, is to say, we're going to reduce the amount of variation that we have between projects in this part of the stack. And we kind of do the same thing over and over again. Um, and then it, in that we can do that same part over and over again, you don't have to approve it each time because it's not unique. I mean, it's, it's sort of like, you know, we don't have to get the, well, in most instances probably, we don't need to get the exact processor that we're using approved. You just approve it, <laughs> right? And, yep. and, you, and, and it sounds like what you're doing is like you kind of moved up the stack above the operating system or I don't know, maybe not above the operating system, but there's, there's almost this cut line of your technology stack where the approval process doesn't, it's not so much that it doesn't care about what's below that line, it's that it long ago approved that. And as long as you're doing the same thing, it doesn't need to revisit that
2: totally that's exactly right and the idea is not only to you know say you have to trust us but also provide tools that show that you should mm. trust us right uh, because you know no one trusts anyone in government yeah it's uh, the
0: old uh, the old reagan dictate trust but verify
2: <laughs> yeah totally um so you know we we're we 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 are not only doing everything open source and, uh, and like all our systems are open, but we're also making sure that uh, uh, the validation of everything that is being run is also opened up. So uh, and, and, and and regarding you know the stack, I, I don't know what uh what your, your your you guys' experience is, but on our end, a lot of the systems are pretty similar. Right, They don't buy it that much um, in, from the stack perspective. So I think that this makes a lot of sense.
1: I would tend to agree on our side, things look very much the same. I think the challenge is people get caught up in the idea that they need to understand something that they can't possibly understand. Um, if that makes sense. Like we need to revisit like every little detail of every little project, even though we don't understand it. The fact that we had that discussion makes us feel like we might have understood at least some of what you're trying to do. Yeah. It's
0: almost, it's it's almost like a, uh, the wrong response to the bike shed (laughs) anti-pattern, right? Like, 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 you know, the bike shed thing of course is like uh, at a nuclear power plant, no one understands how reaction works. Like the, the, well, that's some board that's approving big budget stuff. They they're not going to debate the exact way the reactors work, but they'll spend hours uh, going over like the color they're going to paint the bike sheds because they understand that. And one reaction, uh, you know, that you're just going over, Matt might be like, "Well, we should understand how the reactors work, but maybe they shouldn't." <laughs> like like you don't right. actually need to understand how
1: all the technology works down to the uh, the dirt, essentially. Correct. Or as you said, they fixate on what they can understand. So instead of, you know, we deploy lots of websites and we do it the same way every time, they're like, but what if somebody puts something in the website that we don't like, right? And, and then it becomes an issue of, okay, we actually have to instill some level of trust that people aren't malicious in their jobs or that if they are, we have other processes and mechanisms to deal with that. Hmm. Oh, that's a good point. there's something, yeah, I mean, there's something interesting in that Netflix culture deck actually that talks about like bad processes are really highly focused on preventing um problems that are easy to remediate from happening um, <laughs> right. <laughs> right yeah,
0: yeah, and, and no, and that's 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 a good way that that's a good segue into the something I was just thinking to ask is is um you know, one one of the big things in, in our like DevOpsy cloud whatever culture is this idea of of fail fast or whatever, which which you 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 sort of uh, loosely quoted the Netflix thing, version of it, which is if you can fix a problem quickly, is it really a problem? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And, and and so given given that we just talked at length about government's uh, desire to like get it perfect the right time and to trust that that it works like how how is this idea of fail fast and resiliency been playing out like are are you guys given slack to kind of say, "Oh, that kind of screwed up, but we can fix it and actually, screwing up is a good synonym for learning, and if we don't have learn i mean you you know I think everyone here knows the kind of line of thought of why fail fast is good, but I wonder how that notion is
2: playing out in in your work in the government yeah that 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 is extremely hard in government, right I mean. Most of the team at F comes from the, the startup world you know, or some private enterprises. and we understand that you know failing fast is, as you said, a way to learn. Um, and we had that culture internally but one of the things that we want to do is you know infect that into government technology. Um, and, you know, hopefully in government in general. I mean, I, you know, projects should be allowed to fail uh, if they don't work and, you know, preferably fail fast, right? You don't want to spend, you know, a trillion dollars in something and then, you know, that, that's not going to work. You, you want to spend, the, the you know, the, the smallest amount of money before that happens. Right. Um, and, and one of the things that we were talking last week was, that we have projects that attack the same project, for example, the same problem, for example, right, and that that they came from different directions and they ended up attacking the same problem, and we were saying, well, maybe we should kill one of them, and the the consensus was, well, maybe we shouldn't, right? Maybe we should figure out which you know combine the learnings of both and see what What sticks, and one is may maybe gonna fail, but at the end of the day it's important that that, that we learn as much as we can and uh, before um you know when when we when, when we are building solutions um but um like like i said i as i said before right i mean eighteen f is a, it, it very focused on being transparent. And communication, communicating failures, is a problem in government. Um, right. Um, people don't like to hear that government spent money that uh, didn't work out. Right. The the thing is, like we spend, you know, a, 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 a fraction compared to anyone else. And what what we do is, you know, it's just learn for the new project. So I think that that that's critical, and we just need to change the way that we do it.
0: Yeah, you know, when the uh, one of the things Matt asked at the beginning was sort of like uh, how you explain that technology is different, or, or or to be more specific, that sort of like software development and the way that you you use it in an organization is different. And it seems like th- this is one of the key areas where it's different. Which you know, one of my Recent favorite books, uh, Leading the Transformation, kind of makes this point, I think, in a good, succinct way. But it's, it's essentially in software, uh, there's a continuum of basically failure, experimentation, and research. <laughs> and, and those things kind of in software, especially when you're doing product development towards a goal, not like pure research, where there's a bunch of Greek letters involved and stuff. But like those things are kind of all the same thing. Uh, and, and when you're working on a product and, and a lot of software development process is about doing it in the most efficient way possible. And, and if you, if you eliminate failure from that continuum, you're not really going to get good results. (laughs) And it's, uh, I, I think as you were explaining, that's one of those areas that's really hard to get across to people about software is it's going to take us screwing this up a lot (laughs) or, or I'm even wording it the wrong way. It's going to seem like we're screwing up a lot. But this is really just the process that we go through to figure out what the answer is.
2: Yeah. And and, and like, if you think about it, I think that healthcare.gov, right, was a, a, a huge mess up, right? Um, but one of the things that gave us was an arsenal to say, you don't want to fail when you have, I don't know how many millions of dollars in. You want to fail a lot before that. mm uh, and that's why the, the digital service was created. Um, the, the, for those who don't know, the digital service is a team inside the White House that their, their whole um, mission is to um, deliver uh, the culture and change inside um, government agencies. Um, according to presidential priorities, and that is huge, and they're paving the way for us to um, go in and, and, and not only change how they shape products, how they buy it, um, it, it. It it is like you know this huge, huge failure made us uh, made a huge billboard for us to say um, failure is sometimes good. I mean hopefully a lot less, a lot uh, smaller failures, but not, um, not, nonetheless, there's a lot of learnings to do there.
0: Right. Yeah, it seems like, uh, I think I think that that's another government quote. I forget from who, but like, never pass up on the opportunity
1: to use a crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yep. totally. So being open source, um, you know, I think we have a little bit of, of time left. Um, how was that conversation? Like, hi, we want to take all this work we do and just like throw it out on the internet for everybody to see and look at, um, and be completely transparent about what we're delivering. Was that a was that a well received proposal, or um, you know, how how did that go at first, and and how has that process continued to go?
2: So, open source in government. Uh, it's a, a, a two-sided story, right? On one end, you have a lot, a lot of, you know, years and years and years of research that has been all open sourced. And um, you know, when, when I was doing some research about this, I mean, like I found that the first implementation of TCP/IP was done by the government uh, in an open source, right? Um, but at the same time, you have a lot of uh people today that think that open source makes um your software vulnerable and you you expose your teams to critique that is you know maybe not healthy uh you know because they're afraid that their software is not of good quality um the The way that we address it is like hey this, this is a, a public good right um like one of the, the the interesting things is like the government cannot take copyright on anything that it puts out right so everything that we write is in the public domain um and we we argue that you know, like anyone can if you don't open source a piece of software anyone can go and ask for it anyway um, so you might as well just put it open source, um, do the best job that you can at writing good software and, um, you know, rec- the, the receive contributions and work with the community. So that's one of the other things that we strive for. It's not just publishing the code, but also, um, working with the public and saying, Hey, you can contribute to anything that we do. Um, but, you know, yeah, sometimes we go to agencies and they're like, we, we don't want to, to, to have our, our, source, our code open source for X, Y, and C reason. And basically, at the end of the day, it's like, if you want to work with us, you have to open source it. If you're not, you know, go work with someone else. Um, and, you know, today I think that we have like, you know, two or three private repos that are like just for configuration stuff. Other than that, we have hundreds of repos that are open source.
1: So that's really interesting. I, I was going to ask you um, whether whether public domain made things easier or harder for you, and, and it sounds like they made things easier, and that's, that's really awesome. Um, you know, when we talk about outside contribution, I kind of have this weird image in my head of like, you know, the concerned citizen super coder in, like, Silicon Valley that's, like, going through all your repos and, like, hey, you should fix this, you should fix this, you should fix this. Um, Do you, do you guys get a lot of outside contribution from people who sit outside, you know, kind of outside the government, uh, so to speak? Or, like, where are you seeing that outside collaboration coming from and, and what benefits are you experiencing from that, if any?
2: Yeah, I mean, we had you know we we don't get a huge amount of uh, outside contributions but we get some and it, it it is always interesting to see you know why people come to projects and um what what projects are the most popular ones um so um like mo- most of the the most popular projects are the ones that are like reusable libraries right uh that people' just use in their projects and they, they, they want to send some patch to, for them to work better. And that's cool because it works better for us too. Um, then there's like, you know, like you said, the concerned citizen that uh, knows how to code and says, I want to fix this bug here. Uh, and that that's also very cool because sometimes we don't have hard time or maybe we didn't didn't even catch it. And they should send the pull request, and you know that's super cool. and then we have like you know vendors and potential hires and people that are more interested in um, particular projects uh, because of their current work that they also send pull requests right? um, I was working the other day with um um a, a vendor that on on a security tool. And our repo is open source, and they they send um um pull requests to it so that that's i mean yeah, i I personally find it extremely gratifying to be able to work with the public in the pro- projects that we do um because that makes um basically the the motto of open source is good uh better so
0: yeah, that's interesting. I mean I mean that uh just to do some blue skying as it were. Like it does what one of the problems in studying the industry of software if you will or or uh just software development in general is like it you, it's all closed. Like well, I shouldn't say it's all closed. Much of it is closed. <laughs> right? Uh and especially o- o- over history and it'll be interesting going forward if as you as you guys as 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 you guys open source things more and more like it's almost an opportunity to to study the 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 five year history of this application used by a lot of people, right? And uh, I don't know, it'd be, it'd be int- it's it's interesting new data for pe- researchers to go look at and see how how things evolve. Versus like, it's hard to do an analysis of like the last fifteen years of the Windows code base. I guess they did open source it a while ago, but like it's not quite as uh, I shouldn't say open source; they provided the source to some people, but it, it would be a. Uh, to be a large base that people know about to, uh, to study. And also I think some of your, you know, a lot of your process is open as well. So it's good, good fodder to look at. And, and to that end, uh, as we wrap up here, so like where, uh, if people want to like look at that actual code, like where, where should they go to look at it? And like, where, where, uh, where can we find out more about 18 F and yourself?
2: Sure. So if you want to look at the code, it's github.com slash 18 F, you know, one eight F um, if you want to learn more about 18f itself it's, uh, the website is 18f.gsa.gov um, and I myself I'm at lapidus.com or DLapidus in Twitter um, and you know we're always very welcoming of any comments and suggestions and feedback that anyone can have uh, so you can open GitHub issues or uh, send us an email so um, anything like that it would be awesome
0: yeah, well, I, 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 uh, I, I don't usually speak on behalf of people, but I think I can in this case. I, you know, I think I think Matt and I are. are it's, uh, it's nice that you were on this show. This is, this is good stuff as always. You, you know, you and I uh, go out for lunch every now and then here in Austin, and we always have a uh, nice conversation over artisanal sandwiches. So uh, it, it was, it was nice to uh, talk some more about that because it's, it's, uh, it's always interesting stuff.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you.
0: And so uh, you want to give your little sign-off there, Matt? Where, where can people get, get a hold of you if they want to see what hijinks you're up to?
1: Uh, Matt J. Curry on Twitter. Uh, probably the easiest way um, uh, to get a hold of me. And I'm, I'm sure you see my, my crazy tweets related to Cloud Foundry from time to time. And <laughs> we will be definitely throwing a copy of this recording out there. And so uh, thanks, Diego, for coming out and... And giving us the rundown, it was super awesome, super cool, and interesting to hear about how you guys are kind of changing the ultimate large enterprise um, and and transforming and driving technology and transformation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and as as always, I'm I'm. You can find me at, at as Cote C O T E and Twitter and and Cote.io. And this is you, if you want to get the show notes for this, you can go to uh, Cote.io uh, slash loc. I think this is episode eight. So it's LOC eight, if, if I remember. Uh, and, and you can also just go to the vanity URL, lordsofcomputing.com, which, which will uh, follow here. And as always, thanks for listening. And, and uh, Matt and I will be back next time to see what people are up to with the wacky computers. Bye-bye.